Welcome to Memphis Treasures, where we tell the stories of Memphis. My guest today is Tom Keckler. His friends and many clients just call him TK. I didn't think uh, I liked music at all, you know. Uh, but uh, that that Ed Sullivan show, it just also something snapped, yeah, yeah. and uh, I never got over it really. And, right. Uh, right. He- for more than forty-five years, TK has been the guy for all things guitar, from custom guitars for rock legends to a simple setup for a local gigging musician. TK has done it all. All right, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for joining us. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I know, to, to just go all the way back, I know you weren't born in Memphis. You were born somewhere else. Where was that? Uh, Hutchison, Kansas. All right. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Home of the tornado. <laughs> right, which, apparently, Memphis is trying to take over that title lately. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, when I, uh, at 12 years of age, my father was... I uh, got a job with a GM and was transferred to Memphis. That would have been 1958, and I'd never been to the South before. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. It was quite an experience, yeah. to say the least, you know. <laughs> uh, it was really kind of hard to understand people. Oh, sure. Yeah. And we had a good time uh, being somewhere else other than... Kansas, right? At least I did anyway. Sure. And uh, as far as you know, uh, just you know, uh, junior high, high, uh, U of M, yeah, that kind of that road. Kind of the normal. But all, yeah, but all during that thing, you know, the uh, I've seriously considered uh, uh, suing Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because of, you know, the Ed Sullivan show, sure. you know. Which was the catalyst for how many bands and things I over the years? I don't know yeah. how many yeah. lives he destroyed. <laughs> the, the pursuit of, of guitars and everything else that goes along with that, which obviously yeah. has been a huge part of your life. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't think uh, I liked music at all, you know. Uh, but uh, that, that Ed Sullivan show, it just... Also, something snapped, yeah, yeah. and uh, I never got over it really. You know? right, right. Even though I did other things, you know, but uh, uh, that was the music business. Yeah, right. And uh, I was so impressed. Yeah. Well, you played in a band here in Memphis called the Breakers. And yeah. What year? What that was in the '60s, right? Kind yeah. of late '60s, I guess. Late '60s. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I know you guys played around. You've, you've done gigs here, and you, you guys had a, a hit which I will link to. On this called "Don't Send Me No Flowers," no. which is, uh, you guys, I'll link to it, but you're gonna love it when you hear it. Um, it was on the, the Amy Mala uh, label. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, it was a situation where you know it, we were fortunate because uh, Mike Ladd mm-hmm. uh, had some contacts with uh, RCA in, in Nashville, and after that, at that time, Chad Atkins was. Yeah, I'm still uh, at RCA. RCA, mm-hmm. and uh, so unlike most local bands that put out a uh, you know a single, it's just a local type thing that maybe they get the local 
radio to play it or whatever, you know. But right. because of because of the contacts that Mike had uh, with uh, RCA and stuff, our first record, Don't Sell Me No Flowers, went nationwide. Yeah. Which was unheard of. I was, that's, yeah. That was even before the Gentries <laughs> went nationwide. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, with the young uh, Alex Chilton. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, so that was late 60s, and so you guys did some touring around. Right. And um, then we did uh, touring. Yeah. Uh, I did quite a bit, actually, in the yeah. hard way, you know, back in those days. And, uh, yeah, bands and... Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, you would go from Seattle to Miami Beach or oh, something, you yeah. know? I mean, oh. it was a killer, you Yeah, know? right. one of the reasons why uh, I, I can't stand the road right now, I think, you know? Yeah, but, uh, I know you, you there for a while you were getting asked to go out quite often and you always turned them down. I think that's yeah. the reason, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, and uh, those long, those long, long trips, you know, uh, on the road. Uh, what are you going to do? You yeah, know? right. And uh, I just got into, uh, uh, you know, uh, taking the guitar apart and putting it back together yeah. again. <laughs> they have something to do, right? <laughs> yeah, because I was into yeah. that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, with uh, motorcycles, and, right, right, and uh, whatever. So it was just kind of a natural yeah. tendency to do, but. Pretty soon, you know, it only lasted a couple of years before other people started coming along that were actually players. Yeah. <laughs> we were, Mike yeah. Lad was the only real player, player in the band. And, right. And, uh, you know, I finally came to the conclusion that, you know, I'm really no good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're selling yourself short, but I understand. I, I know that, that uh, also at that point, um, taking apart and putting together guitars was probably not very common either. No. You just got what you got, and you hoped it was a decently set-up guitar, and you struggled. I, I remember seeing old pictures, and you, know, you could slide in your finger between the fret and the, <laughs> between the oh, fretboard yeah. and the string. Yeah, five uh, screws for hand. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, you had to have. Uh, <laughs> everything was set up for slide. Um, so, yeah, it just, that was kind of early on in that and obviously you've made your entire career almost on that and oh, right. and, and and at a very high level i mean some of the guitars uh obviously i've known you for 30 something years some of the guitars i've seen you've done have been just amazing beautiful pieces of art not just a guitar in somebody's hands but i mean that t- tell me a little bit about that you went out to la for a while as yeah. well right to, yeah, after the breakers uh, I went to uh, los angeles in 78 and uh, joined up with uh, a gentleman by the name of Tom Anderson, who is a very successful, uh, they call boutique guitar boutique, maker. Yeah, yeah. Very high-end guitar. I was going to say, yeah, that's code and, for expensive. Yeah, unbelievably expensive, <laughs> but they're unbelievably good. Yes, they are, yes. You know, how, yeah. how good a guitar would be, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they, uh, we, it was Tom Anderson and myself and David Schechter. Okay. And uh, David didn't play guitar, but he was a machinist. Okay. And a genius. Right. Yeah, like Leo (laughs) Fender. (laughs) Couldn't play guitar if he had to. No, probably not, you know, because uh, he, uh, we made a deal with him, you know, hey, we'll call this company Schechter Mm -hmm. if you'll build the uh, machines. Right. Because we can't afford to buy them. Sure. And he's a sure, sure you know, why not? as long yeah. as you'll give me a little place to live in this right. 
this complex that we had in Van Nuys. Oh wow! We said no problem. You know, he was a very interesting guy. Yeah, he, yeah. he was a, one of those kind of guys that would work twenty-two hour days. Mm. Uh, wow! Yeah, he actually worked on his own teeth. <laughs> wow! Okay, it's a story there. <laughs> that I'm sure explains a lot about David Schechter, man. <laughs> but then, then, of course, Tom Anderson was just an all-around uh, genius guitar person yeah. and. All around, smart guy, you know, nice guy, and yeah. so when I went out there, they, the 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 company was a uh, an aftermarket parts mm-hmm. company. Yeah, the first actually. Right. Yeah. So now bodies and necks. And, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But they made them, uh, you know, better than you could get them stock with the guitars. And that's you know when I went out there, I said, what y'all need to really do consider anyway is, you know, turning out a couple. Uh, really mm-hmm. super uh, killer, gu- no two alike, uh, beautiful guitars right, to, right. for promotions because there wasn't a whole lot of ways to promote yourself. And Cream yeah. Magazine was about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, MTV hadn't come out no, yet. I hadn't even no. thought about it, yeah. No, yeah. so you tried to find somebody you know that would play your guitars that mm-hmm. could be seen. Right. And uh, talk about them in articles and stuff right, like that. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And then. Fortunately, we sold that first guitar that I made out there and uh, sold it to Manny's in New oh, York. New York, yeah. And, and Manny's put it in the in the window on 42nd Street there. And Pete Townsend was walking along 42nd Street and he saw it. <laughs> <laughs> he glanced and saw it and went in there and checked it out and said, I kind of like it, you yeah. know, and money was nothing. Sure. And it was quite expensive then, yeah. like 1600 bucks in 79. Yeah, that was a decent amount of money, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that was that was that one of the, looked like a telly almost with the black, with the white binding, is it, that what It that? was, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was exactly what it was. Yeah. It was I'm, cream binding. Yeah, cream. It was a telly shape. And uh, all black and with a, a maple neck. A very attractive guitar with uh, black chrome hardware. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but uh, he was looking for something uh, to take the place of... Uh, he'd been using Les Paul. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he'd broken heavy. his hip yeah. a couple of times, slamming it into, into his hip because yeah. he was absolutely out of his mind yeah. at that point in his career. Yes, yes, that's true. So, Late 70s. And, and he liked to throw guitars at his crew uh, off right. stage. And if you if you miss a, a Gibson, it's gone. Yeah, and... and, and stopped, yeah. you know, who knows? Snap where. right off. Right yeah. And, or if you catch it, it hurts. Yes. So it's no win. He was looking for something lighter and something, you know, and, and they had the sound he wanted and... Anyway, it yeah. just happened to be exactly what he was mm-hmm. looking for. Yeah, I, I'll I'll find um, either a video or a photo of that guitar. I want to say he used one, or at least in that in that vein, in the Eminence Front video. I'm almost positive. I think that's what he was playing in that. Probably mm-hmm. wrote that on that as well. So I'll see if I can find that and link to it in the show notes. So that was a Schechter guitar yeah. at that point? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, he, he, you know, we were hoping that, you know, wow, wow, we made it the big time. He's going to endorse our Schechter guitars. And it turned out to be that he was one of these artists that would not endorse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never has. <laughs> we, yeah. we all just, you know, not we, but 
that some of the sector people, higher up people, thought, hey, well, no, well, we had a chance and we blew it, you know, or you got blown. Yeah. Hmm, for me. And uh, um, I, I told him, I said, well, man, I tell you what, the best advertising you can get is somebody using your guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, just having somebody with picture of a star holding your guitar yeah. is not nearly as good as actually them using it. Mm -hmm. yep. So he he got in touch with us and said, hey man, you know, I don't endorse, but I'll buy mm -hmm. directly from you, from the factory, what I paid for it at, at Manny's. Now uh -huh. I, I would like maybe 10 or 11 more of them. Wow. Uh, different flavors. Yeah, A couple sure. more blacks, some cherries, yeah. some sunbursts, yeah. gold tops, whatever, you know. Right. And, and he gave quite a few of them away to his people, his, yeah. his buds over in England, I guess, you sure. know, whatever. Wow. And uh, well, That's a great way to start. I mean, that Townsend is definitely known as a guitar player, and like you said, having just seeing him play them is much more powerful than just him sitting oh, yeah. on a you know sitting somewhere with a guitar in his lap but oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's yeah that's very cool so after the Schechter went did anyone else come behind him were there other uh, artists well yeah yeah the problem was the original Schechters Tom Anders and myself and David Schechter was that uh, about the time we started really cooking uh, you know with the first of the the term boutique guitars, mm -hmm. expensive, you know, handmade guitars. Uh, the CFO of, of Schechter uh, one evening walked into the bank <laughs> and <laughs> withdrew every cent oh, no. <laughs> and took off to Mexico. That was back in the days when you could, you could do, do that. Yeah. Now you can't even hardly make a deposit without a driver's license. Yeah, he just took off. Oh my <laughs> and gosh! And so that you know that just killed the the original Schecter. Mm. And we'd done a lot of, of business with ESP mm -hmm. and uh, uh, hardware business. Yeah. And so uh, the partner of the guy, the CFO, uh, sued. And uh, it actually stayed in federal court for an unbelievable length of time for something like that. For like eight or nine years, it was mm -hmm. in uh, litigation. You know, I used to get phone calls, you know, and have to give uh, depositions. Yeah. Yeah, depositions. And uh, it was crazy. So he finally won, rightfully, the, the, the trademark. Uh -huh. And two days later, he sold it to ESP. Okay. So ESP has been Schechter ever since 91. Oh, okay. And is still. Uh, and do they they don't re do they release anything on the Schecter brand now still or no? Oh yeah. Oh, they? Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you were out there with them. Did you stick with them at that point? Were you still? Uh, or no, you had gone. I. Uh, everybody just kind of scattered. Yeah. Uh, Tom Anderson had had in his mind that he wanted to go ahead and start his own guitar mm -hmm. company, and, mm -hmm. and David Schecter was willing to build the. the the equipment for him mm. and uh, I had to make a decision whether I was going to go with them mm -hmm. uh, maybe go to the Fender or whatever out there in Charbel and then in, in the end uh, I missed Memphis yeah <laughs> that's great <laughs> don't well, ask me why but, you know I missed I just missed the green yeah uh, and, and the lack of, of uh, term could I use for LA and yeah. uh, 
Finky yeah. people. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a lot different than it is here in Memphis, obviously. Yeah. So I know when I started, I worked at Stranger Things with you, uh, I guess 88 or 89, so I guess you were back at that point. Did you come yeah, straight I back, back in? in 84. Okay, so did you... St. Blues. Okay, you started St. Blues in 84, yeah. okay, which was a... Uh, a brand uh, at Strings and Things uh, was who repped it. I think they were also, obviously, Chris and Charlie were part of that. Yeah, they originally had it uh, as uh, Strings and Things Customs. Custom. Right. And so I made a few prototypes for them, yeah. and they went to a trade show. I think yeah. it was in Atlanta for some strange reason. But yeah. anyway, um, and uh, they went, and, uh, the guitars went over big yeah. with, with dealers, you know, mm-hmm. and... Uh, but they had a problem. The problem was it said strings and things of the headstock. Yeah. And uh, they looked at that as competition because there was a strings and things retail store uh, that was quite well known, mm-hmm. really, around the world yeah. in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they, they said, you know, we, we would buy your your guitars if they didn't say strings and things. We said, that's not a problem. Yeah, that's right. We'll come up with something. <laughs> Well, I think St. Blues is a, is a stroke of genius. That's yeah. S-T and yeah. blues in it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wonder, do you have any idea where those prototype guitars are now? Uh, of, the, of, the, of the strings and things? Yeah, of the, of the yes, of the strings and things. Uh, not really. Yeah. Every now and then I'll get a, uh, a email or a or some form of social media thing, you know, yeah. and and somebody will have a picture on of a of a strings and things guitar that they've had for yeah. thirty years or whatever. You know, and they would like for me to identify it. Yeah, know, is this really a strings yeah. things thing? I go, yeah, that's yeah. a really that's a strings and things guitar. Yeah, but, yeah but as far as the St. Blues thing, you know, that's. that's whole different story yeah really when we started that yeah uh that uh let's talk about that well i mean you know a a man a money man uh not a musician but a man by the name of brian eagle uh who uh, did all kinds of things but they were all business related uh type things Mm -hmm. and uh he bought the trademark from Chris and Charlie. And then, because that, was that when you guys moved down the street to from Monroe? Yeah, from yeah. Uh, Sun Studios. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, uh, yeah. And he was, I mean, you know, the, the first trade show was in LA that we went to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, it's an expensive thing to do. Sure. Yeah. In Memphis to LA and for eight or nine days yeah. and, and then all that stuff you have to ship and everything. So he, he dumps about 30 grand into this show mm-hmm. and thinking he's going to, you can actually take the business by storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is hard to do at that, <laughs> well, that stage. <laughs> that, that hurt. Yeah. That hurt the business big time losing 30 grand. Yeah. I don't think he got a single order. Really? That yeah. I recall. Yeah. Well, those, again, those were beautiful and are beautiful guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that at a certain point you stopped working with that 
group that there's still St. Blues guitars out there. Are you still doing, still no, working with I, them? I have an interest in it financially. Yeah. yeah. They okay. owe me money. It's <laughs> other way for saying they owe you money. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, yeah. you know, I probably will never see that, but, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. no, there's actually two guys that really kind of do it now. Mm-hmm. And according to order, you yeah, know. Sure. Yeah. And I did the custom orders and things. I've seen some things Definitely. on their website Definitely. and yeah. Facebook. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, uh, I was there at, on Monroe for a number of years, you know, mm-hmm. and I finally just, uh, I couldn't handle the management, yeah. the upper management yeah. situation, you know, yeah. not listening to me or anybody else that knew what they were doing. And I just, Said, hey, you know, I'm retired, man. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, you know, stay in the guitar business because, uh, uh, you know, that's social security ain't what it used to be. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, and and, and Memphis needs your talents for sure. So, so let's go back to building guitars because I, I know that when when people ask me about you, I usually say, I mean, he's built guitars for lots of people and you'd know all of their names and so uh tell me about some of the people i know you've you've built some guitars obviously we talked about uh pete townsend but i think jeff beck yeah built some for him who else are some of the names that we would know elvis elvis all right i've, I've heard of him uh <laughs> yeah okay jimmy page okay yeah all right and i'd, I, I'd have to think a little bit i'd yeah. have to look at my uh, site yeah. You know, to, to, to see what uh, yeah. Richard has put on there, you know, but uh, lots of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dwayne Allman, yeah. you can just go on and on right. and on. And it wasn't, uh, most of it was not a situation where we actually took a chainsaw out and cut a tree down. Sure. Uh, yeah. A lot of it was uh, component form. Yeah. Mike, Ladd, and I would go to Gibson Factory mm-hmm. when they were still in. Uh, Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. and they were they were in financial strife at the time. Yeah, and uh, we got to know the president of Gibson pretty well, and he would just let us go through the factory, and, and yeah. we would see little pieces of sort of guitars, right. uh, a project that somebody had started but didn't finish, mm-hmm. and he said, "Yeah, take them, yeah. finish them." Right, and that's more or less what happened was the deal with Elvis's. Yeah. Uh, a black acoustic with the karate sticker on it that yeah. he, he was so famous for. Yes, yes, It, it was a, a dove, yeah, a acoustic Gibson yeah, dove, but it, the neck was not on there, and the bridge was not on there, yeah. and didn't have a paint job. But we we loaded up the van, you know, with all that kind of stuff, and you know, and uh, we would bring those back and finish them up. And, but we still kept the Gibson trademark on sure, yeah. uh, for lots of reasons, financially yeah. not the least of which, sure. uh, legally not the least of which, yeah. but uh, we got to be such good friends with the guy, Wilbur Marker was his name at the time, president of Gibson, that, uh, you know, they had not made a Les Paul since 1960, mm. and uh, so that's almost 10 years before they reissued it. Yeah. And Mike talked, kind of talked them into 
ratioing a Les Paul, and they were totally against it. They just said, ah, man, we couldn't sell Les Paul any more these days if our life depended on it. They were just in another era. Mm -hmm. They were not aware of what was fixing to happen and happening, Mm -hmm. and Mike and I were. And we were in the West Falls. And that's, a, that's so amazing as a somewhat guitar player to think that that they wouldn't recognize the value of the Les Paul. I mean, today, we're recording this in 2023, you see them everywhere still. And it's not just Slash and, you know, the occasional uh, Jimmy Page picture, which you don't see him play much anymore, but... There's a lot of people out there playing Les Pauls. There's and so millions of them since Lad, since Lad pulled the, the deal off. Yeah, and right. It was a, a situation to where um, there weren't CNC machines or anything, so it all it was a matter of blueprints. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made a deal with them that uh, Wilbur Marker, the president, said, listen, I'm going to show you something. He took us into this room with the most beautiful jazz guitars, mm-hmm. which he couldn't give away. <laughs> yeah, right. Mike appreciated all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so Wilbur said, I'll tell you what, we'll drag out the blueprints and we'll make, just for you, just for your store in Memphis, we'll make 10 or 11 uh, Les Paul standards. Uh-huh. And... Uh, it was it was Mike's father's money, so <laughs> well, heck yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, all right. And, uh, and that's how that first one got reissued. Uh, and they they sent us those tents to Mike's store, mm-hmm. and some of them didn't even have finishes on them yet. Yeah. And so we we would do that. Some of them didn't have frets on them yet, you know. And, and we would do all that, and uh, that that was one of the. Uh, different pickups and things. And that was one of the things that that, that really blew uh, Jimmy Page of mine mm-hmm. uh, when he came into the store their first tour uh, that, you know, somebody would have the, the nuts to take a <laughs> <laughs> Les Paul right. and paint it and put different pickups in it, you know, and different size frets. And he said, he just couldn't believe we were doing that stuff. Yeah. And we figured yeah, the people were doing it all over the world, you yeah. know. And he said, "They really yeah, were." No, really. No. <laughs> what was uh, Mike Ladd's guitar company? What was his store? Uh, Mark Ladd, uh, Mike Ladd's <laughs> Guitar City. City. Oh, and right. it was originally on Summer, uh, and then it moved in '70 to right across the street from Elvis. Okay, down on uh, Bellevue right. at that point. Yeah, that, that was a shopping center, strip center. Yeah. At the time, yeah. Know, uh, the insurance company, you know, <laughs> and, and, and it was an open place. Yeah. And so Lad thought that would be a good idea to have his store, you know, across the street, street from Elvis's, you know. Probably which not really a bad. didn't make any difference whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably had a few people come by, but yeah, that's yeah. that's amazing. So Guitar City. Well, if, if they did, you know, and then if we were lucky enough for them to purchase something, yeah. you know, uh, for long, you would hear this ding, 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 ding of the cash register. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and Lab was down the street buying a new Harley. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of I did not realize that that you guys were responsible for the 
reissue of the Les Paul, which is now just a yeah. ubiquitous guitar I know. everywhere. That's uh -huh. that's an amazing story. It really is. He he single handedly was responsible for making Gibson a lot of money over the years. Yeah. With but you know he didn't have any claim to it sure. other than. The story. Other <laughs> than his father giving him help for spending all that money on those, <laughs> those worthless jazz guitars. Right, you know? right. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Mike um, was an amazing guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away a few years back. Yeah, um, a couple uh, of years. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so back to Mike's store. I know it had to have been any number of people coming in and, and through that store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was a very happening thing yeah for uh guitar people yeah i know billy gibbons uh is rumored to have come through there i'm sure he spent some time there and i yeah. know you've done you've done some work for well, him and, yeah not only that but he lived in memphis for yeah a number of years he sure did he had a, a suite at the peabody yeah and uh um how many years he lived here? But I don't know. I'd see him several. drive up and down Union in a convertible all the time. <laughs> of all the things. Like, yeah. like, Billy, if you're trying to be incognito, buddy, you're not doing it. <laughs> that beard flowing everywhere. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see him yeah. all the time. No, it's funny because my wife and I were at the restaurant at the Peabody one night. And uh, um, Gibbons comes walking through by, you know, looking like a, a street person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and and my wife sees him, and, and she's going, "What are they doing? Letting somebody like that in here?" You know, okay. and he just walked. He just walked back to the kitchen and fixed himself something. I guess you know, and came back out. And I said, "Hey, Billy," and he said, "Hey, TK," you know, and and my wife's going, "You know, that's who that is. You know him?" Yeah. I said, yeah. "I said he's." He just looks like a street person. Yeah, but he's, he's not really. He is not really a street person at all. <laughs> if, yeah. if he is, he's a heck of a guitar player, street person. That is absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> who else? Uh, who else came through there? I understand Dwayne Allman. Had, oh yeah, spent some time. Uh, well, uh, Dwayne and his brother Greg mm -hmm. uh, both went to a military school. Uh, in uh, where was it? Somewhere in Kentucky, I think. Mm. Uh, and Mike was going to the same school. Okay. And and they became friends. And uh, but they uh, they were pretty much in the music, but they were in the <laughs> to surfing music, you know, <laughs> of, all, of all things. <laughs> yeah, and and of course, Lab was you know he was a. Uh, the best white man blues player <laughs> he would ever run into. You know? yeah. that, that was his deal. That's how he learned. Right. It was from his father's gardener. Oh, okay. Uh, the blues. Yeah, yeah. And, wow. and, and Jim Dickinson lived, lived right next door. Okay. And so they used the same gardener. Oh, okay. And so, so this gardener, when Mr. Dickinson and Mr. Ladd were not, uh, they were high-end people. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Ladd was senior vice president of Holiday Inn or something like that. I don't mm -hmm. know. But uh, they would, uh, you know, teach. Uh, this yeah. Yeah. Gar yeah. Black gardener yeah. would teach uh, Jim Dickinson licks on piano and stuff, uh -huh. and he would teach... Uh, Mike licks on guitar, so that's how Mike picked up 
the blues uh-huh. type style of playing guitar. Yeah, wow. Uh, Which he was very good of at. Of course, Mr. Dickerson and Mr. Glad immediately fired this, <laughs> this <laughs> gardener. Music once lessons. they found out right. what Instead was going on, on, you know. Right, right. But it was too late. Yeah, they'd already been, they had been indoctrinated. They had been. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. So, uh, Dwayne would stop by the store. Uh, and and then they'd yeah. go back in the back. luxury room you know nice big couch you know and they would sit there and there would always be a a couple guitars on the wall and 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 give it or somebody would pick one off the wall and we had this one guitar that was a a cheap unibox acoustic guitar that just was like magic or something yeah you know and uh so but he wasn't into slide at the time lad was and so he got Mike to teach him uh, slide, basic slide licks. That's yeah. amazing. One of the one of the most renowned slide players yeah. uh, is Dwayne Allman. Well, well not Dwayne, it was Gibbons. Oh, well, yeah, Billy's not yeah, bad either. Yeah, Gibbons hadn't <laughs> been doing any slide work, oh, okay. uh, but uh, he wanted to. Yeah. And Mike was a fairly good slide player. And yeah. So, he uh, showed Billy some basic licks, and that, that's all it took yeah. with a guy like yeah. that. Right. And from then on, you know, it's a piece yeah. of cake. Right. And Billy's a darn good slide player. Yeah, he is. Very tasteful, yeah. of course, because he's a very tasteful guitar player. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but when Dwayne would come in, uh, I don't ever recall them doing any jamming or anything. It was usually more a matter of smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 just jiving and shucking. Yes, yeah. just sitting around enjoying yeah. the place. Yeah. yeah, I bet that was a great. Uh, I never had the pleasure of meeting Michael or going to Guitar City, city but I'd imagine that was quite an adventure. Had oh, to be well, just a, a, a turnstile of people and yeah, everything. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, all kinds of people. I never knew exactly if they were. Would be determined if they were worth anything or not. <laughs> they would come over from Graceland, you know, that part of the entourage. Right. And then at, at that point, uh, Elvis wasn't playing out much. Mm-hmm. It was right. right before his Hotel International comeback. Yes. And uh, they didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, they lived there. Right. But yeah, there they didn't have anything to do but... all day long but come over and bother us. <laughs> And, you know, and, and his 15 rhythm guitar players. <laughs> right. He had a bunch. He did. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Yeah. So you, at this point, you're still not building guitars anymore necessarily, but obviously one of the top repairmen in Memphis and the surrounding areas, I will say. Not entirely true. <laughs> uh, I, I still build. Okay. I build from, um, I don't do the whole thing. I don't saw yeah, a tree. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, there are so many companies now making, with the advent of the CNC machines, mm-hmm. making and and the fact that le- legally speaking, you can make a body style like a Strat or a Les mm-hmm. Paul or yeah. a, a whatever, as long as you don't put your fender on the headstock exactly. or give it on the headstock. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of people are, are 
you know, wanting to build their own guitar, but mm -hmm. they don't know how to build a guitar. Sure. So they can buy a body yeah. from uh, made out of any kind of wood you can think of, you know, from uh, any number of really good companies. Yeah. And same with the next. And, and then the hardware. So people will come in and uh, sometimes they, they have enough knowledge to have bought uh, the correct parts for what they want to do and usually not yeah but uh, that's you know I'll, I'll build the guitars up. together yeah yeah and whether and it's really becoming fashionable not to actually uh, uh, overdoing the uh, paint jobs yeah with I mean terribly thick coats of polyurethane and right. stuff you know it just right. kills the sound of the guitar so the big thing now is uh, well has been is uh, attractive woods mm -hmm. uh, uh, grain wise you know and mm. uh, and uh, just sealing them basically or staining them right don't kill the sound with sure. thick urethane right just covering it up yeah yeah, yeah. So, well as i look around we're doing this podcast in TK's shop and there's guitars all over the the floor <laughs> not on the floor but in cases on the floor and then hanging on the wall and uh, it's I wish y'all could see this I might take a few pictures before we leave but um, <laughs> but yeah this this is where it all happens I know there's a lot of magic in this you were uh, working at strings and things when we met back in the guitar uh, workshop as right. they called it uh, and I was working on the other side in the rental department and I would see people come in and ask you to do any number of things to their guitar and then i remember people coming in and saying hey i have this guitar i had no idea what it's like uh and and those were some amazing times because i remember seeing a couple of them open up like oh my goodness that guitar is worth a whole lot of money yeah. uh and your reputation was that they could bring that to you and find out exactly what it was so the the knowledge you have and and everything and, and all the experiences you've had throughout the years doing this is, is well served by well, it is that. something that um, I guess got out of hand, <laughs> if, if you will. You know, yeah. the, the, the English rock and roll thing, you know, kind of just had a, a big influence on uh, everything, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, but, but we, the United States, got them started. Right. Sure, because they were all listening to Muddy Waters and oh, Helen yeah. Wolf and you know, yeah. all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I know Robert Plant was always talking about coming back to Memphis so that he could go down to Clarksdale or wherever it was he wanted Clarksville and Clarksdale listening to music and, and all that. And, yeah, the whole uh, Robert Johnson era and well, all that. So they're accredited with, I guess, the really the beginning. I mean, the string instrument thing, you know, goes back thousands of years, I guess, you know, in some form, yeah. a zither or something, you right. know. Hilarious. But uh, as far as actual, you know, the very, very start of the whole thing, as far as rock and roll and and, and, and certainly blues that was before rock and roll. Yeah. And, and those, those guys that lived in those shabby old house shacks in Mississippi yeah. standing on you know sitting on the porch uh muddy waters and those people you know BB right. King right yeah. yeah yeah I mean just to think that all of that all of what we are hearing now and and there's not as much blues anymore although it's still a very popular uh genre of music started from those you know guys sitting on the porch the sharecroppers you know the guitar was probably a 
very inexpensive. In fact, you know it was a very inexpensive guitar. Yeah. Maybe not always had six strings on it. But, well, I got uh, it. Seriously, yeah. yeah. I, it, it, that's why slide guitar came along. <laughs> that's right, because I can't, I can't press down a chord. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, well, but, but you know, Memphis played an uh, intricate part. Uh, Sun Studio, mm -hmm. the Phillips. Uh, that's those are the people that first allowed the black uh, blues players yeah. to come in from from Mississippi and record. Yeah, right, and and obviously Bill Street was was huge and mm -hmm. and is still uh, still a big entertainment district now. Yeah. you can hear BB King's got a club down there and lots of different uh, local artists play down there all the time. So yeah, an amazing music scene still in, in yeah. this day you know it, it it isn't what it used to be but it's still pretty strong yeah uh, so. yeah so the social media thing i guess you know has turned a lot of people on to uh, a lot of stuff obviously you know but uh uh you know as far as you know people's interest in guitars and the fact that a lot of what i do is make them work yes yes because <laughs> when you get one off the, off the wall at uh, yeah. your guitar center or whatever you know it's it's uh it's not really right no it's 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 got the bones and everything but it needs to well uh, they can't they're not going to spend the money yeah. on somebody like me spending three or four days detailing up. them right yeah and then to ship them somewhere and it to, oh, to yeah, and that, that's, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's not, yeah yeah so you always want to have that if you do go out and buy a guitar off the wall or have it shipped to you whatever you want tom to to put his magic on it and and i know in the past i've had inexpensive guitars and brought here and you would not know the difference between it and a you know, one of those reissue last Pauls that were just yeah, amazing. Yeah, you would, because it would be better. <laughs> it would be better, that's true. Uh, so that, that's quite a, a compliment, I think, to, to the talent that you've got with guitars, being able to take a $49, yeah. you know, silver tone somewhere and make that thing the and same. Now, yeah, so. now the Asian, the Asian market is so prevalent, you know, as far as uh, Gibson contracting their Epiphone line through... Uh, Korea, I think, and uh, you know, uh, Fender is known for their uh, association with Mexico, mm -hmm. and they're they're very very good guitars yeah. because of the advent of the CNC machine, and you're working within thousands of an inch, and uh, yeah. but uh, once again, they're under contract to yeah. whoever contracted them to make these guitars for a certain price, yeah. so that leaves out. Uh, three days worth of detailing right. and you know not so great electronics right. you know and all the things that that people bring the the guitars to me mm -hmm. but, but the basic guitar is very good yeah replication has probably gotten to be just amazing like you said cnc machines everybody's going to be perfect it's going to be like the last one oh yeah same thing with next and everything but really where the magic comes in is putting all that together doing the setup uh, and making that guitar play for the person specifically that you're setting it up for, and everybody's a little bit different. That's exactly uh, it. And so it's not a, it's not even a cookie cutter setup. It's different every time, and I can attest to that. That's yeah. exactly what the the uh, customer relations people will tell you at a factory. If you 
pay $8,000 for Les Paul, then you call them up and you start griping about it. And it's like, terrible and doesn't right. tune and everything. And they'll yeah. say, well, we didn't know who was going to get it. Yeah, exactly. But we yeah. didn't know what gauge strings they were going to use, what tuning they were going to How use. hard they play, any yeah. of those things, yeah. 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 So, um, so it's a built-in excuse. <laughs> <laughs> True. But it does um, lend itself to... Uh, you and people like you that that set these guitars up and make them the workhorses. I and mean, if you, if I'm playing every, if I was a musician, I mean, a working musician today, I would absolutely have you set my guitars up. All this kind of, there's just no way to have a a working guitar without somebody like your experience in setting them up and and everything that comes comes along with that. I mean, we've talked about a whole lot of years here back in the '60s and late fifties when you started doing that, that's quite a career putting, putting yeah. strings on guitars. Well, I, I have I've had customers being you know, asked me before, you know, they said, Well, you know, without offending you, <laughs> if if you were a, a younger man and still playing out live, uh, I bet you'd build your own guitar, wouldn't you? I went, No. 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 I'd I'd get a Mexican strat. <laughs> <laughs> and set it up for four hundred bucks or whatever you know, and put two or three more into it, which is still way lower oh, than any yeah. uh, USA Fender. Yes, half price at and, least. And, and they're fantastic guitars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this this has been amazing. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And uh, my pleasure. Um, uh, I've very much enjoyed it. I will link to the things that we talked to and talked about in the show notes. And Tom, I appreciate you being here. Sounds great. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Tom. If you'd like to follow him on social media, go out to his website, tksguitarservices.com. And for Memphis Treasures, go out and follow us on Facebook. Subscribe where you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you again soon. Thanks. Thanks.